I wanted to start out this morning um, because something something has been kind of bothering me lately about um, our society and how they view dads. And I think that, you know, some of the comments and some of the things in the video kind of back that up, that we almost have to defend fatherhood. Because I was reading online, I was reading this um, this article that was published as part of a, a research project for a university about how dads, yep, buddy, I hear you. How dads are portrayed in the media. And it says, uh, the, the person who wrote the, uh, the research uh, project said, that the goal of many sitcoms and movies today is to get you to laugh and enjoy what you're watching. And taking a punch at fathers is an easy laugh. Um, it goes on to say that, uh, or uh, to put this forward, that think about the so-called uh, sitcoms that air from 7 to 10 in the evening. Uh, almost every one of them depicts fathers as dolts, dunderheads, blockheads, nincompoops, and clods who can't fathom the simplest adolescent or teenage conundrum, who can't come up with a calm, rational solution if their lazy boy lives depended on it. And then it, it goes on to mention how the media will portray the women, the mothers, as the complete opposites. They're the ones that have to come in and uh, clean up the father's messes, um, um, compensate for the father's shortcomings, and basically save the day. And then it also goes on to, to say that in the media, the wives seem to look down on their husbands and think that they're the ones that are, that are in control of the family. And I've, I've noticed this. I don't know if you have, but it's, it's been bothering me. And this isn't just a recent trend. Um, some of this uh, research... Uh, it was based on an article that was written back in 2003. But I would say, well, what I would say is this, is that it seems as though too many men, too many fathers, have accepted the role that the media has projected upon them. The father is no longer the source of strength and wisdom he once was. He's been relegated to the role of what I call the lovable loser. But I, for one, I'm not willing to accept this role for my life, and I hope you're not either. But I'll let the Bible explain the reason why I'm motivated to rise above that. And it all begins in John chapter 5, um, when Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath. We're going to be reading John chapter 5, um, verses 19 through 20, for all of you who have your Bibles this morning. It all begins in John chapter 5, when, when Jesus, again, he heals a man on the Sabbath. And the Jews become angry with Jesus because they saw this as a violation of the fourth commandment. Remember, uh, the fourth commandment says, Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days um, shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but in the seventh day, but the seventh day is the Sabbath unto the Lord thy God, in it thou shalt not do any work. So they view Jesus as... Um, healing of this man as work and they become angry with him um and jesus then begins to start defending his actions and, and he uses a couple of different things to defend his actions first he he reminds the jews that the law does actually allow for some work uh to be done on the sabbath uh but that was not the cornerstone to his defense his main point to the jews was that God is always at work, 
and that by healing the man, he was simply continuing the work of the Father. So we're going to read that, that uh, portion of Scripture, John chapter 5. Starting with verse 19, it says, And therefore Jesus answered them and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. It's a powerful statement. How many of us have really paid attention to that part? For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all the things that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these, so that you will marvel. So here's what Jesus is basically saying. He, he asserted that when he healed the man on the Sabbath, he was merely imitating what he had seen his Father do. That's what he was saying. Pretty powerful. So Jesus healed a man, and it's described in the, in, in the NIV as an invalid. Um, in, in my translation, as a sick man. But this man couldn't walk. The miracle became public, and the Jews questioned the healed man as to who made him whole. And when he told them, they became angry with Jesus, and that's the part where we're picking up. But Jesus didn't shy away from the angry crowd at all. Instead, he uses it as an opportunity to begin to reveal some things to them that were were really so incredible that they didn't even want to believe them. The first thing that he revealed is the nature of his relationship to the Father, claiming to be the Father's Son. But secondly, by claiming to be the Father of Son, by default, he was also claiming to be God, claiming to be deity. Now, he doesn't simply make the claim that God is his Father. He he begins to expand upon this, right? And that's where, again, that's where we're picking up. That's the part that we just read. He starts expanding upon it, expanding upon who he is, um, what his activity is, his relationship to the Father, by using this image of the Father-Son relationship. In verse 20, he states that the Father loves the Son, referring to Father God in heaven and himself. Then following this statement in the same verse, if you look, he implies that because the father loves him, he teaches his son by showing him what he is doing. Now, I I liked the portion in the video. They kind of stole some of my thunder because they showed the illustration of of the father allowing the son to help him work on the tractor. Um. And as I was reading this and thinking about it, I was thinking of my own son, Cohen, who's not in here. He loves to help me. He loves to help me fix things when I have to fix things. Now, admittedly, I am not the most handiest guy in the world, but I do fix things from time to time. And Cohen, he just loves to help me fix things. And I actually really enjoy these opportunities with him to show him how to do things. So Cohen, he's, but he gets very serious. So... He has his toys. He has, a, uh, he has a hard hat that we bought from a rummage sale for him that's probably 20 sizes too big. But I, I've kind of uh, adjusted the strap inside so it barely stays on his head. And then he's got these toy goggles, and he's got to put on the hat, hard hat. He's got to put on the goggles every time. 
And then he's got to bring his set of toy tools along with us. So he's very serious. Um, And those are some of the most wonderful opportunities that I've had with him, just to show him how to do certain things. And um, we just both really enjoy that time together. Um, and, And he just really loves to help. So that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, he's saying that, um, that the father loves him and that the father is going to teach him or teaches his son by showing him what he is doing. And then in verse uh, 19, I'm backing up one verse, Jesus says of himself, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. So here's the process. First, He learns by watching his father, right? And then in the second part of that verse, he he talks about imitating what he, he has seen his father do. The second part of that verse says, For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in like manner. So Jesus, again, is using this powerful image of the father and son relationship to show them this is... This is where he got everything. This is uh, where he got everything about himself, about his ministry, what he was doing. It was all because he learned it by imitating his father, by watching what his father does and doing the same things in like manner. We see these images uh, used again later in John, in John chapter eight. He's again. Jesus is defending himself, trying to say, "Look, I am." Who I say I am. And he said, and so in John chapter 8, verses 28, he says, uh, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. And I do nothing of my own initiative, but I speak the things as the Father taught me. Later in John 38, he says, I speak the things which I have seen with my Father. So we see throughout uh, the Gospel of John, through these middle chapters, Jesus continues to use this same image to try and explain himself to the Jews. As is so often the case um, with Scripture, God is using here an idea or an image that is familiar to us as human beings to describe or explain a spiritual truth. In this case, he's using the image of the relationship between a father and a son to describe the relationship between two persons of the Trinity. And then he expands upon that image to describe how the son comes to do the will of the father. And in that case, the son sees what the father does and will inevitably imitate that in his own life. So... Jesus here was appealing to the image of a child imitating his or her father because it's a concept that most of us are able to identify with, right? Uh, I think you've all probably observed your children imitating something that you do at some point in time. Um, And as I was thinking about this, I was wondering how many pictures I've seen on Facebook of little boys with shaving cream all over their faces or little girls standing in high heels that are probably 20 sizes too big. But, as I'm sure we're all aware, 
Um, this imitation includes the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? I was thinking about another story involving my son. We were driving in the freeway on the freeway uh, one day, and um, I was in the left lane, but apparently I was not going fast enough for the person behind me. So that person proceeded to get into the right lane and then cut in front of me. And so I was a little taken back by it, but uh, I hear from the back seat where my son is, what an idiot. (laughs) So... I briefly chuckled, and then I slowly look over at my wife, and she doesn't have the same expression on her face that I did, and she says, where do you think he got that from? I'm like, I don't know, TV. Perhaps you have noticed that even you do some of the things that you saw your parents do as a child, now as adults. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I have. Uh, How many of us have told us that we were never going to do certain things that our parents did when we saw them do them as children, only to find yourself doing them as an adult? That's a weird phenomenon all in itself. I saw this on parents.com. I thought it was, it was pretty interesting because, you know, I started to explore this and I thought, well, okay, we've all seen this, but, you know, somebody's had to do like research or a study on this. And so I went to parents.com um, because all good research is done on the Internet. But I, I did find this article um, and an article in they quote a, a doctor Um, And this doctor, his name is Howard Klein, and he's a director of behavioral pediatrics at Sinai Hospital in Baltimore. So that that sounds pretty legit. I mean, I think, you know, it sounds like I can trust him. But he says that mimicry even begins at birth. Many newborns, for instance, copy facial movements such as sticking out their tongue. But age one marks the beginning of true imitation or imitation with intent, he says, A one-year-old understands that the actions he's copying have a significance. So according to Dr. Klein, children begin to imitate their parents at birth. Imagine that. Your child has been watching you and imitating you since he or she was born. Wow. (laughs) So what can we take away from knowing this? I mean, what value does this knowledge bring to us? But I think the implications for all of us are pretty easy to see. That from the moment of birth, we are impacting our children for good or for bad. And that's a pretty sobering thought, right? From the moment of their birth, we are impacting our children for good or for bad. They are learning more from how they see us live than from what we tell them to do. They are learning more by how they see us live than by what we tell them to do. So that begs the question, 
What kind of person are they seeing? Now, keep in mind, whether you like it or not, they're seeing the real you. They're seeing the real me, not the version that we want to try and project in public. They see and often experience all the things about you and I that we don't allow the rest of the world to see. Right? And again, so whether you like it or not, the real you is who your children are watching and who your children will be imitating. Fathers, here's where your gut check comes in. Is the real you someone you want your child to imitate? Now, personally, I'm offended at the way the media portrays fathers today, but I, I, I take it as a personal challenge. And for you fathers who feel the same way, it's time that we take seriously the kind of men we are behind closed doors. Amen? If I want my child to grow up to be honest, if I want my child to grow up to value what's right, if I want my child to grow up to have good character... If I want my child to grow up to be like Jesus, then I first have to model myself after him. Amen? You know, Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, he echoes this same sentiment. In Ephesians 5.1 he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And as the firstborn child of God, imitated his father, we should follow his example, right? So men, fathers, future fathers, here's where we need to get serious about our own relationship with Christ. Because too often we're content settling for mediocrity when it comes to our own spiritual life. In our own spiritual lives, good enough is just that. Good enough. But for me personally, my hope is that when my children see me, they see Christ in me. But that's going to take some serious effort on my part to imitate God as closely as possible. Because I'm not going to settle for anything less. Because when I see, or when my boys see me, I hope they will see Christ in me. And then that's exactly what they're going to imitate about me. Amen? Paul encouraged the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11.1, Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. So in other words, he's saying, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that's what I want for my children. I want them to imitate me as I imitate Christ. And as they imitate the Christ in me, they will become the men I hope that they will become. Honest men. Men that value what is right. Men of good character. Men who will also imitate Christ.
I would say this. If you don't care whether or not your children are serious about their faith, just show them you're not serious about yours. Allow them to see that you have other priorities that take precedence over your own spiritual life. They'll follow the same suit. Show them that you're not interested in imitating Christ in every area of your life. And they'll do the same. But if you do care, then take the opportunity to accept the challenge that I believe the Holy Spirit is issuing to every father listening today. And I would say that about future fathers too. If you plan on being a father, a father, you need to accept this challenge as well. Commit yourself to imitate Christ completely and wholeheartedly. Commit yourself to imitate Christ completely and wholeheartedly. Show them that nothing takes precedence over your spiritual life. Show them that you are interested in imitating Christ in every area of your life. Because then your children will see and imitate the same. Amen? As Christ learned from watching his father, our children will imitate the life they see us as fathers live. Let us be fathers that produce Christ-like children. I wanted to read a, an excerpt out of a, a book that I read. Um, I'm, kind of a, I'm kind of a bookworm. If I want to learn about something, I, I buy a book or I download a, a book from, uh, on, on my Kindle now. Um, I always buy books about stuff. When I got married, I bought books about marriage. When I was planning on having a child, bought books about children or being a father. And I bought this one book uh, by Stephen James and David Thomas called Becoming a Dad, a Spiritual, Emotional, and Practical Guide. Hey, I was going to be prepared, right? But this is what they had to say about this subject. They said... Ultimately, if we are going to be successful at fathers, it is imperative that we learn to establish the conditions under which our children can hopefully discover a sincere gratefulness and genuine wonder regarding the Father, Son, and the Spirit. They go on to say, this extends far beyond the compulsory Sunday school, church attendance, or youth group. It requires that we as fathers model a relationship with God that is authentic and based on humility, surrender, and wonder. And finally, they say this. Our children need to see us working out and celebrating our salvation in a continual process of sanctification. Our children need to see us working out and celebrating our salvation in a continual process of sanctification. Now, I know that maybe a lot of us um, came today expecting to hear just this lighthearted message about Father's Day and, and how great fathers are, but I believe that we as fathers, as Christian fathers, are, are facing a challenge in our society today.
And it makes all the difference in the world as to how we're going to respond to that challenge. Are we going to rise up and be Christ-like men and live that way in front of our children? Or are we going to allow our society to define what kind of men we are and what kind of children we produce? I, for one, am not willing to do that. So I want to give each and every father and man who plans on being a father the opportunity to respond to the challenge that I believe the Holy Spirit is issuing to us today. And so I want you to do something that at least the children in here will see you doing. I'm going to wrap this up and I'm going to close in prayer, but I want you to come to the front, rise up, come to the front, show the children in here that you're willing to be men of God, men who imitate Christ, willing to be that example, that Christ-like example in their lives for them to imitate and follow. And just come up here and tell God, you know what? I accept your challenge. I accept your challenge to live a Christ-like, manly life in spite of what society tells me to live. So I'm going to close in prayer, and I invite you to to come up. Um, Pastor Mitch is going to come up and play some music. And I invite you all to accept this challenge today. Come up. It doesn't have to be a long time. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. It's between you and God. But tell God, I'm going to accept this challenge. I'm going to live this life so that my children, the children around me, can imitate Christ in me. Amen? Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this challenging message today, O oh Lord God, because, you know, we can come into Father's Day and think it's a, it's a holiday, it's a day for me to relax. But we're fathers, Lord. You've given us a responsibility. You've given us a privilege to raise our children who are ultimately, first and foremost, your children. So you've entrusted us to raise them the right way and to be a Christ-like example in their lives. And God, many of us are at different places with that. Some of us, some of us feel like we are that Christ-like example. Some of us are, are thinking, well, okay, so maybe there's a few areas of my life where I haven't exactly imitated Christ-like behavior. And maybe there's some of us here who are even saying, well, you know, I never really even thought about that. But God, we as fathers, we as men, want to come before you today and say, we accept your challenge that the Holy Spirit has issued to us. That as we live a Christ-like life, as we imitate Christ, that our children will see it and imitate us as well. So, Lord, we're going to take this opportunity and we're going to come before you. We're going to come up to the altar and we're going to accept your challenge and we're going to have a moment of prayer with you today. Thank you for this message. Thank you for this time, O Lord God. Thank you for how you're going to touch us and encourage us and spur us on, O Lord God. We love you and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.